I don't know. Okay, let us continue in the Sefer Das Hasviros. And we continue on page Reish Memtes. We're talking about the Sphera of Malchus, majesty. We already had three classes on this topic. And uh, we're talking about how Malchus is, takes all the energies from above and you put it in the place that it belongs which is full recognition of Hashem. And that creates the reality of the Shekhinah dwelling within us. So now, we explain, the Tzaddik explains, there's two types of Malchus. There's two types of majestic behavior, or majestic conduct. And one is called the Malchus Rochel, the majesty of Rachel, our, our matriarch, and the other one is called Malchus Leah, the majesty of our matriarch Leah. And the Vilna Gon explains the difference between them. The majesty of Leah, the concept is to reveal Hashem's glory the way it was in the times when we were in the desert, when everything was miraculous, Revealing Hashem's glory, let's say, during the first base on Mikdash, when it was clear and there overt miracles. And it will also be the conduct in the future when Mashiach comes, where it's going to be obvious that Hashem is the king. And that, so in other words, and that's called the Malchus of Leah. When the current events in the world show that there's a God. Like, no question about it. And how we serve Hashem at that time. The Malchus of Rochel is a time when God's manifestation is concealed. The time of Golos. We know the prophet says, Rochel Rochel cries for her children that they should come out of the Golos. The whole essence of Rochel, her avoda. Her service is during difficult times, during the dark Golos and the second temple era, that although we had a temple, but we were, uh, what do you call it, a subservient states to the Romans and the Greeks, etc., etc. And you didn't have the same type of Shekhinah resting in the second temple, like in the first temple. It's in a time when the temple is destroyed, we don't have a temple. It's where it's not clear that Hashem is in this world. And therefore, we still have to behave as if there is a God in this world and to, and to bring the Shekhinah down even when it's not overt and not obvious. And certainly the main avoda in the Malchus of Rachel is we have to work to... It's interesting, the word Golus. Golus is... Exile, but the verb ligalos, galos, same letters but a different dot, is to reveal. To reveal the kingdom of Hashem in the concealment. And of course, we know the famous midnight prayer of Tikkun Chatzos. We pray for the, for the restoration of the destroyed temple. It's not for all of us to do. You'd have to have a good constitution. 
You got to get up at halachic midnight, which is like 1 a.m. And say a lot of prayers. We're, we're, we're smart enough with the three prayers that we got. But tzaddikim, tzaddikim would sit on the floor, get up. And there's a special liturgy. Did you do the bedtime shema beforehand? No, no. You go to sleep with the bedtime shema. Then you get up. And you get that up? At 1 o'clock. A normal person goes to sleep when it's dark. It's 10 o'clock. Go to sleep. Say bedtime shema. Get up at 1 o'clock. That's it. Three hours of sleep. That's enough for the whole day. <laughs> you got to be a big tzaddik. Get up. Say tikkun chatzos for about a, an hour. Then uh, start learning. Start your day. And then go to work at 7 o'clock. And then go to davening and then go to work. It's, it's a rigorous thing, but not for all of us. I would not recommend it unless you're retired. And then, you know, you can get up at 1 and then get up later. Whatever, you sleep in the afternoon. But anyway, there's, there's, there's two parts to this. One is called the Tikkun, it's, it's a lot of pages to read. One is called Tikkun Rachel, the repair of Rachel, which is that we cry over the destruction of the temple and the loss of the recognition of God's kingdom in this world. And then there's called the Tikkun Leah, the repair of Leah, where the concept is to say psalms of comfort and how we're waiting and hoping for the God to be revealed when Mashiach comes. There's two parts to this. This was all foreshadowed in the life of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov worked very hard, seven years, for Rachel, right? And what happened after those seven years? Did he get Rachel? No, he just got disappointment. How hard did he have to work for Leah? Didn't have to work at all for her. He got Leah for free, right? But then he had to work again for Rachel. So it turns out to get Rachel, ooh, it was hard. Leah was easy. Okay? And that's the same idea. When Mashiach will come, it's easy. In the goals, it's hard. Yaakov works seven years. He doesn't have anything to show for it. Then boom, he gives her Leah. I don't want Leah. I'm not interested in it. But Leah is right there. It's got to work again. Seven more years. So he gets wrong. And then Rachel doesn't have children right away. Leah has children right away. It seems for Leah, everything seems to come pretty easy. It's everything's revealed. Good. For Rachel, it's all hard. Question Yeah? He got married to her. I'm sorry, I don't remember. When he got married to Leah, did he have kids right away while he's still trying to court with uh, Well, the truth is he allowed he allowed um, Yaakov to marry Rachel one week after he married Leah. But he promised he'd work another seven years. Okay, anyway, so the whole pathway of Yaakov with Rachel and Leah, because remember, Yaakov is the meat of Tiferes, the perfect blending. And Tiferes is the manifestation of the fourth parts of, of the small face. And therefore, it needs a Malchus, but he has the attribute of Malchus with two wives. The attribute of Rachel, the attribute of Leah. 
And Yaakov wanted Rachel because he knew that his main service is to reveal the honor of Hashem, even the times of the deepest skulls. Now, very interesting. Now you understand why Yaakov is sent to the house of Lavan. Why does he go to the house of Lavan? Because that's the deepest skulls. Why couldn't why couldn't they have brought a woman for Yaakov just like they brought a woman for Yitzchak? Because Yaakov has a different avoda. His avoda is to go in the gullus, which was love and was a real gullus. There's no God in that place. And find a wife and build a family as he did to reveal there's a God in this world and there's Yiddishkeit in this world. And he thought that would be completely with Rachel. And that was only his only avoda, he thought. And Hashem shows him, no, there's another aspect of Malchus, which is revealing God when the miracles come out. And that's the Malchus of Leah. Hashem said, there's another Malchus you have to reveal when things are overtly good. And therefore, really, Rachel was destined for Yaakov. Yaakov means heal. Lo. And Rachel was destined for him. But on the other hand, Yaakov became a Yisrael. Yisrael, which means, you know, the, 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 the one who's straight with God, the one who's victorious with Hashem. And that really is his mate is Leah for that. And that's why the Zohar says that the royalty of Rachel is called the young, pretty woman who has no eyes. What does that mean? Rachel's the young, pretty woman with no eyes. The answer is we know the Torah. What did the Torah say about Rachel? She was Yifas Torah Yifas She was a very good-looking woman. No mention about her eyes. Leah, on their hand, it says, and the eyes of Leah were weak. So Leah has a connection to eyes, and Rachel has no connection to the eyes. And what's that idea about? Because what are eyes about? What is it that our eyes existentially represent? Our eyes represent what you could see, and what you can see is the future. That's why the great rabbis of the generation are called the Ha'eda, the eyes of the congregation. Why? Because when they make decisions, they look at what are the long-term goals we're trying to achieve. You talk about a person like Ravarin Kutler, Zichronel of Racha, who escaped from the Holocaust in World War II and comes to America. And in America, in the early 1940s, there was no concept of Torah learning like it was in Europe. Dedicating your life for Torah. And he had a vision. America has to be such a place. And America's falling apart. It's, 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 it's uh, what do you call it? Assimilating like crazy. And Ryan Cutler has those fiery blue eyes. Those eyes are on fire. He sees what the future needs to have. Now imagine, this is 80 years ago in a secular America. And he's trying to raise money to build a yeshiva in Lakewood to say we're going to have an institute of higher learning where the young boys, they just learn Torah. And everybody thought, you're crazy. You don't do this in America. If you want, we'll build you a beautiful synagogue. We'll build you a nice shul. The nicest shuls. There are no schools, hardly any schools in America 80 years ago. He said we have to have Jewish day schools. 
I said, you're crazy. You go to public school. You learn to make a living. And we'll do some Jewish tradition. But Rabban Cutler, he had eyes. The eyes for the future. And he could see 80 years ahead. He comes to Lakewood, New Jersey, a secular recreational place like in the, you go to the cottage, cottage country. And he starts the yeshiva with 14 boys. He goes to cities around the world, says you have to have day schools. He gets people to partner with him to help him. That's the Eneha Ada, to see that there is a future. Okay. And that's why it says, Chacham Enavarosho, a wise man has eyes in his head. <laughs> why do we have eyes in our head? Why don't you have eyes in your rear end? The answer is eyes in your rear end, you only see what's what's behind you. If it's in your in your forehead, you can see what's ahead of you. So therefore, the, her greatness is to reveal in the future this tremendous revelation. Rochel does not look into the future. She goes in the darkness without seeing the revelation and her main avoda is during the darkness when there are no eyes. So really, Robert Cutler was both. He had them both. He was living in a time of darkness, but he understood there has to be a future. And as much as he has challenged, but history proved him right and the conservative and reform movement wrong. Conservative reform built nice temples and synagogues that are empty. And Revarim built Lakewood. It's got thousands and thousands of families who are studying Torah day and night. Every major city in the United States has a day school. Tremendous, tremendous success. And that's just a tip of the iceberg. But that, that's the kind of person we're talking about who really had that malchus. And therefore, what is this avoda for us in terms of malchus of Rachel and Leah? So the truth is, each and every one of us goes through periods in our lives where we have different pressures, sufferings, tests, and we have we have to learn how to, there's two ways to deal with those situations. What do you do when you're in a tough spot? One way is to figure out, you know, at the end it's gonna turn out okay. Right now it's not that good, but eventually it's gonna get better. There's hope down the line. That's the aspect of Leah. Even though right now, I can see that it's, it's gonna get better. But there's another way and to say that there's a benefit for right now in the darkness, in the gullus. That there's God over here in the gullus and I have to bring him out. And the simple explanation is as follows. During the Holocaust, there were two types of Jews. One type of Jew says, let's just hang on. Eventually the war will end. Eventually the Americans will save us. Eventually we'll be able to get back, maybe go to Israel or what. Let's just hang on. It will eventually, the kiss can't go on forever. That was one aspect, which is true. You need that to hang on, but there's a deeper and much more important aspect. 
and much harder aspect is to in the darkness find Hashem in this difficult time and to see where he's hiding and to know what Hashem wants from me right now and how to bring the majesty of Hashem in the world right now. They once met Rav Mokul Pargamansky, a great tzaddik who went through the Holocaust and 10 years after the Holocaust, they noticed he's, 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 he's thinking and they said, what are you thinking about? He said, I'm remembering 10 years ago the time in the Kovna ghetto. Terrible life conditions. <clears throat> and I remember the closeness of Hashem that I had at that time. Because that was the Avodah of Rachel. How in a situation of total despair and such difficulty, he was able to come to closeness of Hashem. That's Rachel crying for her children. So really there's two ways to deal with a difficult situation. Number one is, what is Hashem wanting? How am I meant to reveal Hashem right now? That's the Rachel aspect. There's a Malchus of Hashem right here and right now, and I have to find it. And then there is, and of course, there's going to be a future where we're going to see amazing things are going to happen. That's why the famous story with one of the great Hasidic Rebbe's, uh, the blood, I think it was the blush of a Rebbe, it was Hanukkah night in the ghetto, in the, in the concentration camp. And some of them got some shoe polish and some uh, some uh, some uh, shoelaces, a makeshift manure to light up the sump. And there's hundreds of guys in barracks huddled close to the river. And the river makes the first bracha. The river makes the second bracha on the campus. He's about to make the shehechayonah bracha. He pauses, he looks behind him, sees all the cellmates, and then he says, to which afterwards, a secular Jew who was there says, Rebbe, I don't understand. How could you say the bracha, you have, we thank you that you brought us to this place in time. What's to thank? What's there to thank about being in this Holocaust? What? He said, you know, I, I thought about that question too before I made that bracha. I thought about it. Then I turned back. And when I saw hundreds of Jews standing around knowing that if the SS comes in at that minute, they're going to kill us all. I said, thank God we've come to such a time in Yiddishkeit. We're in this greatest darkness. We're able to show that there's a God in this world. That is the great avoda at that time. And therefore, a person has to be able to serve Hashem at the times of challenges. And they can really be the best years of his life. Where you really come the closest to Hashem because of the difficulties and the challenges. And that is the service of Rachel. To get the closeness and to bring out the divinity at this time. On the other hand, we have the times when things are good. And when things are good, we also say it's all Hashem. And we praise Hashem for all the good. When you see the miracles, it's all Hashem and it's all good from you. And now we take it another step further. Rachmalea, each one has their own specific specialty. And the specialty 
of Leia is the specialty of Hoda'a, giving thanks to Hashem, praising Hashem. And the specialty of Rochel is the specialty of silence. Interesting. It says, the town the Medrash says, Leah took the specialty of praise, and she had many children who were those who gave praises. For example, she named her son Yehuda, which means I thank Hashem. And who came from that? David, who said, Hodul Hashem Kitov, I praise Hashem for he is good. He had a descendant also, Daniel, who was known to be the one praised and thanked Hashem. Well, Rachel grabbed on to the territory of silence when she allowed her sister to marry Yaakov. She was silent and let her sister take over. And it was a very difficult thing for her to do. But she had a son named Binyamin, who was the stone he had was the Yashpeh, which is a contraction where it's Yashpeh. There is a mouth. Binyamin, there were things he could have said that would not have been proper, but he kept his mouth closed. Show when he's told that he's going to be the king, but he said, don't talk about it. He didn't talk about it. He kept himself silent. And Esther, when she was told not to tell her origin, she was silent about that. So what does that mean? It means in these avodas, there's times of rachel in our lives. You have to know. You have malchus means you got to know when to be a, a rachel melech and when to be a layer melech. When you have tests, you got monetary issues, and there's all kinds of problems, and all of a sudden, boom, everything gets fixed up. Whoa, your elderly daughter who hasn't been married, she got a shidduch. All of a sudden, you got a windfall of money. Guess what? That's the time to praise Hashem. Not the doctor. Not the stock market. It's Hashem, it's Hashem, it's Hashem. And bring Hashem into the world to acknowledge the miracles come from Him. But then there's times of tests, and the avoda is, is to be Rochel and to hold on to the silence. Accept it with love and believe this is the will of Hashem. And remember, I have nothing of myself, and I will take it all in with love and connect to Hashem and nullify myself totally. And then when you see the salvation, that's when you're going to say the praises. And that's the circle, the cycle of life. All life works that way. No one has a life that's always externally amazing, and no one has a life that's always externally bad. So you got to know when things aren't looking good, you take a hold of the malchus, the malchus of Rachel, and say, there's a job I have to do here, and one day it will be better. And then when it's better, my job is to grab on to Leah and praise Hashem and recognize he's the source of all the miracles. And that's certainly our avoided that's coming up soon. When the three weeks are going to be coming, and the next two weeks starts the three weeks, of course, we want to think about the Geula, the redemption, and when Mashiach's going to come. That's true. But what's more important, say, what does Hashem want me to do now in the Golas? And how am I going to get close to Hashem while I'm in the Golas? 
just waiting for the day of redemption when I could praise Hashem afterwards. And so it was that the Gemara Mtsachim tells us that when the Mashiach comes at the end of time, we're in Elam Habo, Hashem is going to make a banquet for all the righteous people <coughs> on the day that he bestows the kindness to the descendants of Yitzchak. Whatever that meal means, it's a spiritual meal. It's not a physical meal. At the end of the meal, it's going to be time to take the kosher bracha, the cup of blessing, whatever that means in the next world. So they want to give it to Avram, and Avram says, I can't do it because I had a son Yishma. The offer to Yitzchak is, I can't do it because I had a son Esau. Yaakov says, I can't do it because I married two sisters and now the Torah does not allow that. So they're going on. The end, they come to David. They say, you, what about you? He says, yes, I will bless. It's fitting for me to bless because I wrote in my Tehillim, Kos Yeshua Sesah, the cup of salvation I will raise up. Ubeshem Hashem in the name of Hashem, I will call out. So what does this story mean? What's going on? Why is Dung the one who gets the bench? And the Ben Yehoyada explains over there, why is it him? Because he was the one who made the ultimate correction. All the patriarchs made different corrections to the world. Avram with Chesed, Yisrael with Gvura, Yaakov with Das, Tiferes, etc. All these things. But the bottom line, what everything is about, is the Malchus. It all leads up to bringing the monarchy of Hashem out clearly to the entire world and in the two ways of Rachel and of Leah and therefore David was able to succeed in doing that during the difficult times and during the good times and this will now explain another very fascinating thing that you must have wondered all your life how many years was David king? 40 years but we're told he was king for 7 years in Hebron and 33, uh, and 33 years he was king in uh, Yerushalayim. He says, why? Why? Why can't this be king for 40 years in Yerushalayim? Well, there were tactical things. Shoals trying to kill him, amongst other things. But, but Gleniotta says, the seven years is to perfect the Malchus of Rachel. And then the next 33 years is to perfect the Malchus of Leah. Now, for reasons we're not going to get into, but esoterically, even though this is all in the tribe of Yehuda, but Rachel, even though she's not buried in Hebron, she is connected to Hebron, so to speak. While Yerushalayim is more connection to Leah. Why? Because Leah is the, where the revelation comes. The revelation of Hashem is Yerushalayim. The incredible miracles of Hashem is in Yerushalayim. The fire burns. And that's when David sings the Psalms that shows his might and courage. Hebron. We have, what do you see in Hebron? What is, what's so good about Hebron? You ever go to Hebron? It's, it's, like a, it's like an Arab city. Except where the Jews are building, it's nicer. But it, it, it's, it's not a great place. That's on the outside. But on the inside, 
Hebron represents, we're not, we're not in Mashiach yet. But there's a God even in Hebron. And the patriarchs who are buried in the ground, still, there's hope. That's why Kolei, in last week's parsha, when the spies were saying all kinds of terrible things, he prayed in Hebron. Because you have to have the Malchus of Rachel for that. Even though Rachel doesn't get buried there. There's a lot of questions, a lot of pain. But the truth is that's where in Hebron, that's the key. We have to, all prayers, they say, go first through Hebron mystically and then through Yerushalayim. Because you've got to serve Hashem when it's difficult and when it's revealing that things are great. And that's why the Gemara says in the description of David, he was called Adino Ho'atzni. And Adino means like sort of delicate, and Atzni means very tough. So Gemara says when David was learning Torah, he was very refined, delicate. But without the battle, he's like an axe. He had both attributes. He understood how to do this. And this was the Kos Shel Bracha. This is the cup of blessing. Bracha, the word bracha is an expression of a complete perfection of all the aspects of Hashem. And if you like gematrias, bracha is the gematria 232. And if you take the name of Hashem, Yudai Bavhe, in the different ways that we fill in the missing letters, it comes out to one way is 72, one is 63, one is 45, one is 52, it equals 232. Bracha means every aspect of Hashem has been perfected. And the word kos, a cup, is gamach 86. That's the name of Hashem Malaykim. A kos shal bracha means we've, we've finished the task, we've accomplished everything that was meant to be accomplished. And we've coronated Hashem in the difficult times, and we coronate Hashem in the good times. And that's our avoda. Our avoda is when we're going through difficult times, you're going to show the whole world that there's a God in this world and you're going to make him shine even though it doesn't look that way. And then when we're, then when things really are good in your life and there's real success, you say, I get no credit for this. It's all Hashem and we're blessing Hashem and it's all Hashem in every possible way that it's there. And there's countless, countless stories that, that bring this idea across of appreciating where Hashem is at these times. I tell a story, I can't, it was the, it's getting a brain freeze right now, the Megala Amukos, who was the rabbi of Krakow. Anyway, he wanted to leave the shul. He wanted to go somewhere else. And they said, please stay, no, he wanted to leave. Then one day he changed his mind. Okay, great, we're happy here. What caused you to change your mind? He said, you know what? Before I left, there was a great Din Torah that I had to adjudicate over. And because of that Din Torah, I decided to stay. To make a long story very short, there was one fellow who was a uh, big tzaddik, a big tzaddik, but uh, he didn't have money. So in the morning, he would sell bagels to get enough money to live for that day. There was a rich man who saw this big sign selling bagels. He shouldn't be selling, he should be learning Torah. So the rich man said, you know, forget selling the bagels. How much money do you make a day on bagels? He says, this month, I'll give it to you every day. And you just sit and learn. Great deal, he says, thanks. 
She does that for a couple weeks. Then after a couple weeks, she says, no, forget it. I don't want the deal anymore. I don't want, I'm going to make my bagels again. I don't want the food. She says, what do you mean? We made up a deal. I'm taking you to a dentorah. You got to live up to your deal. So now Lucas is listening. He says, what are the two sides over here? He says, listen, we made a deal. I'm giving him money. He's supposed to keep the deal. So I got to explain. Before I made the deal, every morning when I would pray, I'd pray my heart out to Hashem. Say, please, Hashem, make sure the, the bagels come out fresh. Make sure that I have people who are going to want to buy my food and going to like my food. Hashem, I'm so dependent on you. Please help me. And now I noticed a week after this guy's paying me, my davening isn't heartfelt anymore because the money's coming. Whenever I can't take the job anymore, I want to go back to selling bagels so I can, again, reveal everything about Hashem when it's very hard for me. When the Mahalakalahuka said, I have such people in my community, I can't leave them. And that really is Malchus of, of Rachel. The Malchus to know, I have to bring Hashem out in the world in the most difficult times. But then when times are good, you have the option, the obligation of the Malchus of Leah to sing out praises in the most outstanding way to show it's all Hashem and it has nothing to do with me. This ends the first section of the Sphera of Malchus, and tomorrow, uh, tomorrow there will be no class because Bar Hashem, I got a bris in Hamilton in the mid 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 morning. So I don't think I'll make it back. So, so uh, we're going to uh, not have the class tomorrow. We'll have it again on Friday.